0: Or is not just a feeling, it's a way to behave. The Gemara at the moment is taking us on quite an amazing tour of concepts and ideas in the search for a posuk that tells us that under normal circumstances, an ase is doche lotase, that means when you have a prohibition and you have an injunction to do something, and there's a contradiction between those two mitzvot, one telling us not to do something, one telling us to do something, um, then the general rule is mitzvot asei doche lotase, that if there's a positive mitzvah, it pushes aside the, the negative mitzvah and we found that we learned that out from the laws of chatnez and tzitzit that although we're not allowed to wear chatnez uh, in uh, we have to wear tzitzit and if the tzitzit both made properly with techelet and everything according to the laws of the torah then the mitzvah of tzitzit the positive mitzvah pushes aside the negative mitzvah of chatnez and one can wear the Tzit, even if it has shatness, even if it is a mixture of linen and wool. The Gemara then says, that's all very well we understand that in normal lavim, in normal cases of prohibitions, but what about when there's a very severe prohibition, in Isu Karet, where transgressing that prohibition would involve the punishment of Karet, how do we know that even there a mitzvah ase can be doche lota se that a positive mitzvah can push aside a negative mitzvah, so much so that we would be in need of a special posuk, Aleha, to teach us that in the case of Yibum, if the woman who has become uh, widowed by a man's brother is the living man's sister-in-law, his wife's sister, which is a prohibited relationship, it's an Isra Rayot, uh, the word Aleha teaches me that even though Normally, is doche say, and I might think that one is permitted to marry that woman, under the laws of yibum. Alea comes to teach us that that is not so. There's a limit to the law of anasei doche in the field of yibum, so that it applies only in the case of marrying a man's brother's widow, but it does not apply to other cases of arayot. If the man's brother's widow is forbidden to the living brother because of other forbidden relationships, other arayot, those don't get pushed aside because of the positive mit- mitzvah of yibum. Uh, so in search of, of a source for this, that even where there is a severe mitzvah law ta'aseh, a severe negative mitzvah, such as uh, the, the law of, of arayot, that even there, if there is a mitzvah ta'aseh, that mitzvah ase would be docheh, would push aside the, the lot ase unless there was a specific project that told us otherwise. And so the Gomori goes through various different sources to try and look for it and search for it. And in the process of exploring all these possibilities, there's just concept of the concept that arises in these few pages, each one of them extremely fascinating. For today's purposes, we're looking at the Gomorrah's questioning of the Pasuk et Shaptu Taitishmoru Mikdashi Tirau. You shall keep my Shabbos's and you shall fear my mikdash, my beis mikdash, ani Hashem, I am Hashem. And the Gemara is asking, what do we really need this positive for? What does it teach us? And the Gemara tells us, it teaches us two different things. Firstly, it teaches us that, us that terau, there is a specific mitzvah from the Torah, certainly according to the Rambam, this is a Torah-based mitzvah, that one has to show yirai. Yirai means awe. One has to demonstrate awe in the beit mikdash. Uh, apart from the normal laws of honor and dignity, one also has to demonstrate awe. And what does awe mean? Um, awe, the, the Gemara tells us it's the way you behave in the Beis that you don't just walk through it, um, that you make sure that your, your shoes are clean, there's not dust on your feet when you walk through, um, and that uh, you, you don't behave in that area in a way that is degrading, there are certain behavioral expressions of the idea of all, And so we see that there is that idea of mikdashi tirao, you've got to show all to the to the Beis HaMikdash. And that is so not only when the Beis HaMikdash is uh, in existence, but even bisman she'en HaMikdash kayam, even when the Beis HaMikdash is not there, because it says at chapter taitish moru mikdashai tirao, Just as the Shmirat Shabbat, the mitzvah to keep Shabbos, is an everlasting one, it doesn't matter, uh, irrespective of the situation of the Jewish people and the moment in history, Shabbos always applies, is always present, the, the responsibility and the obligation is always there, so too, uh, so, the fear that the awe that is referred to with the Beit HaMikdash is something which applies forever. It applies at all times, even when there is a, isn't a Beit HaMikdash. When we're in that space of the Beit HaMikdash, we have to demonstrate awe. And it's not an awe for the Mikdash, for the place of the Beit HaMikdash, the Gemara explains, but it's. it's Mimishi his It's not all for the object. It's not all, all for the place, the space of, of the beta mikdash. It's all for the commandment given to us by Hashem to show awe in that Beta Mikdash. So it's not turning the Beta Mikdash, God forbid, into an object of worship. That's not what it's meant to be doing. The same as Shabbat is not an object of, of worship. We learn from this pasuk so that what we show awe for is God's mitzvah, to treat it with awe. It's not the ob- object itself which, which uh, is shown that awe. What is interesting that that emerges from, from all of this is the way the Rambam treats it. The Rambam treats this mitzvah in two different chapters of Elchot Beit El Elchot Beit HaBchira is the section of the Rambam that deals with the laws of the Beit HaMikdash. Now, when it comes to laws of the Beit HaMikdash and to sacrifices and so on, we don't have a Shulchan Aruch. The Shulchan Aruch was given only for the laws that apply today in all areas of life. But they are laws that apply today. Laws that apply in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, the Shulchan Aruch and the Tur, do not deal with. The Rambam does. The Rambam deals with all areas of halacha for all time. And so he has a section called Ilchot Beit HaBchira. In the sixth section of Ilchot Beit HaBchira, he deals with issues around Kedushat Beit HaMikdash, the sanctity of the Beit HaMikdash. Whereas in the seventh chapter, he deals with Yirat HaMikdash, with awe of the Beit HaMikdash, clearly demonstrating that according to the Rambam, the mitzvah to show awe, to show deep respect for the Beit HaMikdash, and the innate kudusha of the Beit HaMikdash, are not perfectly linked. They're actually separate ideas. One is treated in the sixth perik and one is treated in the seventh Perik. Not only that, but they're learned from different psukim. So the Rambam in the sixth Perik in Halakha tetzayan, Explains the difference between the Kedushah of the Besamikdash area, the Kedushah of Yerushalayim, and the Kedushah of the rest of Eretz Israel. And he says the Kedushah of the rest of Eretz Israel, except for certain parts of Eretz Israel which were. Um, uh, rededicated by Ezra, we won't go into that at the at the moment. Generally, Israel's kedusha comes from the fact that the Jewish people occupied it, conquered it, and occupied it and lived in it, and that gave it a kedusha. Once the Jewish people are not living in it, in the in the time that the, the state the country was taken away from us and there weren't Jews living in Israel, it lost that kedusha. However, kedushat Hamikdash for Yerushalayim is mipnei Hashchina. The, the reason that there is sanctity in the Beis Mikdash in Yerushalayim is because of the Shekhinah. And the Shekhinah does not, uh, the effect of the Shekhinah's presence does not disappear. Omer, it says in Vayikra, vahashimoti et mikdash uh, hechem, and I will cause your Batei Mikdash to become desolate, I will destroy them. And Chazal have said, even though they are... Meaning the Beis Hamikdash, and any shuls that become desolate and desecrated and empty, they remain sanctified. The Kedusha remains there. So, firstly, we see very interestingly that there's a difference between the Kedusha of Yerushalayim and the Kedusha of the rest of Eretz Israel. The Kedusha of Eretz Israel is achieved through conquest and possession of the Jewish people, and the Kedusha, and it's temporary, it's only as long as it is actually possessed by the Jewish people. And the kedusha of Yerushalayim and the Beis Hamikdash area is because the Shina was there and that never loses its status of, of Kedushah. In the next parak, in chapter Zion, Halacha the Rambam says this applies, the fact that the Beis Hamikdash is, is a special place is even though because of our sins the Beis Hamikdash currently has been destroyed. <laughs> A person still has to show mora, has to show fear and respect there, as he used to do in the time that it was that it was built. And then he brings as the as the proof for that our, the, the posuk from Algemora. He brings Algemora and says that just as Shabbat is a permanent there's a permanent kudushah to Shabbat and we have to fear Shabbat and keep Shabbat. So the Yirat HaMikdash is something which is permanent and applies all over at all times. And Aruch has a long piece where he deals in detail with why would we think not if the Rambam has already told us that the kudushah of the Beit HaMikdash exists, that sanctity of the Beit HaMikdash exists even after its destruction because the Shechino was there. Of course I've got to show it Yirat. And So you see from there that that there's a necessity to de-link the, Kiddush, the laws of Kedushah from the laws of Yirah. It's possible that the place has Kedushah, but there isn't the this specific requirement of demonstrating Yirah, of demonstrating all when one is there, if the Beis HaMikdash has been destroyed. You're walking around the mosque of Omar, uh, do you have to show Yirah or not? Assuming you were, we were permitted to walk around it from the perspective of, of halacha, which we're not at the moment, but if assuming we were, would we be obligated to show yirah? although it's a mosque, it's not, a, it's not the Makom Beit HaMikdash as such today, and we see that, that yes, there's kudushah there, there is still sanctity there, but that wouldn't on, of its own have necessitated demonstrating awe. Demonstrating awe is a specific behavioral law that the Torah gives us. To behave in a specific way, in specific places, at specific times. And what we're told about the Beit HaMikdash is the laws of awe apply at all times, even after the Beit HaMikdash has been destroyed, those laws still apply. And the Orach explains that although the, the Shekhinah was there fully for the Beit HaMikdash, it wasn't there as much for the second Beit HaMikdash. And although we're told the Shekhinah has never left the Kotel Hamaravi, it's clear that that level of Shekhinah is different from the level that the Shekhinah was in the first Beta Mikdash and even in the second Beta Mikdash. Just as we have to differentiate when, when we say that kol the whole world is filled with Hashem's presence, that isn't the same level of presence. It's not the same intensity of presence as we would have in the Beta Mikdash itself. So we see Shekhinah can be diluted. The, Hashem's presence can be very intense and concentrated as it is in the Beta Mikdash when Hashem Shekhinah is there, such as the time of the first Beta Mikdash, and it can be somewhat diluted. In the second Beit Hamikdash, and after the destruction of the Batei Mikdash, it's still further diluted. Uh, but but there's some some level of Shekhinah there, enough to keep the kedusha, enough to keep the sanctity there. Uh, but even though the full Shina is not present present, the or from Algamora, what we learn from the pasuk of F chapter Taitish Moru, is even though there's not real Shina there with all its intensity, and, and its full concentration, nevertheless. The laws of Yirah, the laws of of o, do do apply there, um, and and we've and the fact that the Shechina was there once in its full intensity gave the place kedusha, which it never loses. It's unconditional kedusha, unlike Israel that can lose its kedusha for periods of time. Yerushalayim and the Beis Hamikdash can never lose its kedusha; it remains with its kedusha perfectly intact. And we see here that one, one needs to be aware and sensitive to the fact of, of different levels. There are nuances nuances in Kedushah. It's not binary, it's not either it's Kodesh or it's Chol. Uh, within Kedushah itself, within sanctity, there are different levels of intensity, uh, different levels of concentra- uh, concentration. The Shekhinah, the presence of Hashem in a given place or at a given time, there are different levels of, of intensity and concentration. And and we learn in in Kabbalah, the Reishit Chochmah talks about it a great deal, uh, that even in human beings there are different capacities to access the Shekhinah. Uh, Generally we we understand that the Shekhinah exists above the head of of a human being, that the Shekhinah is with the Jewish people. But whether we're able to access the level of presence, the level of concentration of the Shekhinah, that depends on us. It depends where our minds are, it depends what we're thinking, it depends what we're feeling at at any given time. If we're just living a life that has no connection with the Shekhinah, the Shekhinah somewhat withdraws from us, or it's so to say dilutes and dilutes to the point where where it's a a very diluted form of of essence, Uh, whereas when one is very focused and concentrated, one can access a Shekhinah which is there in its full concentration, in its full majesty, in its full glory, as when the Beit Mikdash will be rebuilt and restored, we will experience in the, in the place of the Beit Mikdash in Yerushalayim.